Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hansen, with another great podcast for you today. We are live in San Diego. It looks a little different. We're not at our house. We're not sitting with Marley, the monkey. He's at home by himself today. I am in a hotel room in beautiful San Diego at the Dana Hotel right on the water in Mission Bay because we're going over to the big, big, big celebration dinner tonight for Bill Shedd, the uh, Lifetime Conservation Award presented by Anthony Shea, Kelly Girl and I, and a lot of other people in the industry will be at the dinner tonight. It's a big, big deal. Bill Shedd has done so much for the fishing community, for the fishing industry, and he's given back more than you can even comprehend. Those of you that know Bill, you know, and those of you that have any AFCO products, you're given back every time you purchase an AFCO product. The Shedd family gives back so much to the fishing community. And tonight's dinner, the QR code's right there. I think there's still a couple of seats left for tonight. If you want to join us, we're going to be at the SeaWorld property. We're going to start out at the Hubs Research Center, and then that starts at 5 o'clock, cocktail party, and then we're all going to move from there over to SeaWorld property, and we're going to have a beautiful dinner on the SeaWorld property. Bill Shedd's father, Milt Shedd, is the creator. He was the mastermind behind SeaWorld. You're going to get to hear all about that. You're going to get to see all about it. Tomorrow, I have a Tomorrow's show, because Kelly and I will be traveling, tomorrow's show will be the interview I did with Bill Shedd five years ago. It's going to be a great show. You're going to learn so much about SeaWorld if you don't know about it, if you don't know where it came from. And I know there's a lot of SeaWorlds across America, but it all started right here in beautiful San Diego, California. And if you don't want to, if you don't know anything about it, you definitely want to check out the interview with with uh, Bill tomorrow. It's going to be a phenomenal interview. So check that out. Pay, stay tuned tomorrow, 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. The interview will, will air, and then you can listen to it on pod, all the podcast channels. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for all the love and all the support you've been giving Kelly and I. We are very, very, very happy and very, very proud to have all these people watching us. T- today, I... Spent most of the morning down with Tommy Gomes down at uh, Tunaville Market and Grocery. And I'm telling you, I love Tommy Gomes, man. The guy, him and I had so much fun this morning. We just, we have the same background. We grew up in the same thing. We've known each other for so, so long. Just absolutely incredible time I got to spend with him down there. And I got to taste all that, all that fish he has down there, all that that dry aged fish is absolutely incredible. And I'm going to be posting a bunch of videos. I made a lot of videos. I even was lucky enough to be there as we filleted up an, a big OPA. We 
We did opa. We did rockfish. We did halibut. We did sea bass. We did monchong. Then Tommy cooked the monchong, and I ate that. It was insane. Tommy turned me on to that dry-aged bluefin belly. We, oh, my gosh, we had some uh, swordfish, bone marrow. Oh, it was just an incredible time down there. If you have not been to Tommy's store, Tunaville Market and Grocery down on the water, right by Fisherman's Land, by all the sport fishing landings, it's a must see. It's a must go to. Tommy's there every day till about till about two o'clock in the afternoon. And as every person came into the store, Tommy just stopped what he was doing, took the time, explained to each and every person about the fish, the origin of the fish, where it came from. I mean, what a what a spectacular human being. He's given back like you can't even believe. The whole time is just absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, the sea bass are biting, that's for sure. Things are happening out there on the water. It's absolute incredible fishing right now. We're going to get deep into that. We got a big announcement, though. See that right now just came up on the screen? Gang, here's what we're doing. Last year we did this. It worked out phenomenal. This year we're going to do it again. This year we're going to give away 200 U.S. dollars to the best picture that we see on social media. Now, I'm on every piece of social media there is out there, so we're going to keep an eye on you. If you show us a picture of you wearing one of our shirts, your Saltwater Guide shirts, grab the QR code. I'm going to give away $200 US on September 1st to the best picture that I see. You got to go to my store. You got to get a shirt, gang. You got to post a picture of you wearing the shirt and with a fish, preferably the best fish you catch. Calico bass, that's Kelly and I's favorite fish, but we would love to just see you wearing our shirt, holding up a fish across social media. We're Myself, Elliot, Kelly, Bailey, we're watching every single post, every single day. We answer every single comment. We answer about nine to 10,000 comments a week. I'm not even kidding you. If you were to go down the rabbit hole, you would see. We are going to pay close attention. We're going to pick the very best picture, and we're going to give away $200. US And also, if you have one of our shirts, just like we did last year at the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Festival, if you show up at the show wearing one of our shirts, we're going to give you give away swag at the show. We're going to give you... We're going to give you hats. We're going to give you all different kinds of swag that we get from all of our different our different uh, sponsors. So check out, go to the, grab the QR code and go to my store and get yourself some swag. Get a hat, get a shirt, get, get something, and then post a picture of you wearing it with a fish, and you got a chance to win that $200. And we're going to talk about that on each and every show from now up until uh, – up until September 1st. So let's get into this fishing thing that's going on right now. It's absolutely incredible. Gang, grab that QR code. I'm going to pull that down. If you, Even if you don't want to buy it right now, grab the QR code so you have access to get into our store to buy our clothes, buy our coffee cups and all the other things, the shirts, the hats, the swag we have. Grab the QR code. I'm pulling it down right now. It might be you. I think my audio is working. People are all over this. Yep, it's game plan. It may be you, Snap It. 
Yeah, everybody else is hearing me, right? You guys all hear me? Everybody hear me? Yeah, everybody hears me just fine. Snap it. It's probably you. All right. So, gang, here's what's going on. The game plan is intense this week. There is so much stuff going on. The game plan's long. The game plan's very, very dedicated to the certain areas. If you have never seen my game plans before, we're not just some guy that goes fishing every once in a while and tells you you should go here or you should go there. We actually put together a really comprehensive game plan every Thursday. And we bring that out to the members of your saltwater guide and we cover everything. Hey, Wes, how are you, buddy? Brian, Mike, everybody, thanks for joining us every week. Also, thank you, Mike Lewis. Do not forget to sprinkle your stars across my videos, across my live podcast and my videos. You can get your stars. You can purchase them on Facebook. You can sprinkle them out whenever you want across our videos. It helps us out tremendously. It helps us feel feed our monkey and our cats, pretty much just live and take care of all the animals that we have that live in our house. My house is like a zoo. So don't forget to sprinkle those out there. But this game plan thing we're talking about, it's super comprehensive. It covers everywhere from the Channel Islands to the Mexican border and just a little bit below that on the Coronado Islands. And this one is super comprehensive. It's, it's big. There's a lot going on. Fishing is so historically phenomenal right now in Southern California. The calico bass fishing, the sand bass fishing, the barracuda fishing, they're all really, really, really good right now. But you got to anchor, gang. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. It's such a a problem for people to understand with the private boat. Oh, I don't like to anchor. You know how many times I answer... The phone every day, people talking to me, getting becoming new members of my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com. And then we start to talk about their their anchor and we talk start to talk about how much chain do you have, how much rope do you have? And they can't even answer the question because they've never dropped the anchor before. It blows my mind. If you're fishing in Southern California, spots, I'm not talking about tuna fishing in 3,000 feet of water. I'm talking about fishing the spots up and down the coast or at Catalina or San Clemente Island, or the Channel Islands, wherever you're going. You got to learn how to anchor. It's super important because the fish are living on the spot. Plus, a lot of the sport boat captains are sending me videos going, is this one of your guys? Is this one of your guys? I go, God, I hope not. Stop drifting around the fleet out there that's trying to catch fish. They're all anchored up, and here you come, Joe Booger Eater, drifting through the fleet. I know they don't own the ocean, but for love of bologna and cheese sandwiches, gang, you drifting through the fleet is not going to do you any good, and it sure in the heck ain't isn't going to do them any good. They're not getting anything out of you drifting through their air, the area where they're fishing. You're pretty much putting down their fish. And you're not going to catch anything. And you're going to get a sport boat with 30 or 40 people screaming and yelling at you. Yeah, they very well could have, Jake. They could have caught some yellowfin there. Gang, send in your questions to your saltwater guide right now at 949-374-9400. 
1-800-800-0786. I will try to answer everybody's questions here in the next 45 minutes if I can. If you have a good question, send it in. We're also going to give away a t-shirt today to one lucky person. Those of you that are afraid to go over to my uh, store and buy a shirt, you might be lucky enough to win a shirt by sending in your question. I can't answer the questions on Facebook that you're sending in because Kelly gets mad when I'm sitting here reading them off the screen. And thank you very much. Yeah, last week, one, one of our members anchored once, and that was all they needed to do. They caught fish the whole time. If you're out there drifting around, and I know your sister's aunt's cousin's brother caught a fish once drifting, I would never go out for one. It's not even worth my time to go out there for one. I want to catch all of them. I want to go to their house. I want to anchor up in front of their house and I want to throw my bait in their backyard and I want to catch a fish every time I throw my line in the water. That's what you need to try to figure out how to do. I'm trying to get rid of that light that's behind me that's bleeding in there. Doing the best I can, gang. We're not used to filming in a hotel room. So are doing the podcast out of a hotel room. So those backlights are killing me. Let me see if I can turn them off for a second. Hold on. That's going to help. This is going to help. Stay with me. This is live, gang. Think of that. We're doing live podcasts. There, that's much better without that stupid light behind us. Thank you. Thanks for telling me that. If you guys have a question, let me know. I'll try to answer them. You send them to my phone. I'll read them online. And we're going to give a T-shirt away to one lucky person today. Gang, I don't know anybody else that does a live podcast in America Monday through Friday. And then answers your questions and actually answers your questions live on the podcast. If they do, you better get on there, especially if you're into fishing. If you're don't if you're tired of eating your boogers and you want to start catching fish, send me your questions. Also, join my website, gang. I don't know what you're afraid of. Like we were talking last week. Gang, my website is nine dollars and ninety-nine cents a month. Well, I don't know. I'm I, I going to have to ask my wife if I can sign up for that. Well, then if that's the point, you have to ask your wife if you can sign up for a website that's going to teach you how to fish and help you every time you go to learn more about how to fish, where to fish, and what to fish for. Even the pros need help. Even the pros ask questions. Even the pros get a game plan together with the other captains. Nobody goes out there and tries to figure it out on your own like the Instagram warrior zit-faced kid that's telling you you need to figure it out on your own like I did. Well, they're lying. They're full of crap. They're all working together with each other. I've built the biggest, best code group in the history of fishing, gang. Your saltwater guide, we share everything. If you go over there and you look at our community, you're going to see the camaraderie that we've built up. Grab the QR code, gang, and sign up there. All right. We got a question from Dan F. We got a lot of questions rolling in right now. Somebody wants that free T-shirt. What is the difference between a bait casting reel and a conventional reel? Well, what they do, Dan, is when, they, when they're trying to describe you the bait casting reel, that's the low-profile reels with the level wind built into them. And then a conventional reel would be like, I think I have one. Hold on. I know I have one. I brought it up here just in case I got the fish while I was up here. Where did I put it? Where did I put it? 
it's right here. Hold on. Live. We're live. Remember, this is a live podcast. We're not we're not slicing it up. Okay. This is a conventional reel, Dan. See no level wind on there. Open on the top, thumb on the spool, handle. When you put the level wind where it guides the line back and forth, that's what they're going to call a bait caster. This is a conventional reel. And then once there's that level wind in there, they call it a bait caster. We call it a low profile level wind. Everybody calls it different, but that's the difference. That's one I just showed you, the conventional reel, and the other one's a bait caster. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's see. We got more questions, gang. Stand by. I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. I don't have my number one assistant with me either. Kelly Girl's out supporting the uh, local economy here in San Diego. She's at, she's super excited to be up here where there's stores where she can read the labels. She is so excited to be shopping. She's out supporting the uh, economy here in San Diego. So that's where my beautiful assistant is right now. But she's going to be at the dinner tonight. If you want to have dinner with Kelly Girl, there's a couple tickets available. We'll be at the uh, SeaWorld facility tonight. It's going to be insane. It's going to be fun. So um, let's see what else. Okay. This is my buddy Josh. He lives in Iowa. Can I post a picture of freshwater fish? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Josh. Absolutely. Please do. How rad would that be? I want to see pictures from Iowa. You have you got the flag coming to you. Justin sent it off to you. You got the flag flying, the shirt wearing, Iowa. Come on. Yeah, fish. We want to see pictures of you with the fish. Absolutely. With my shirt on. And nothing better. Captain Dave, what is your favorite fish to smoke? Marlin. I love smoked marlin. But today at Tommy Gomes's Tunaville Grocery and Market, or market, Tunaville Market and Grocery down there in, on the water next to Fisherman's Landing, I'm telling you what, I fell in love with the Toro Belly, smoked Toro Belly. It was insane. Oh, my gosh. That was so spectacular. Oh, my God. He gave me a nice slice. We're going to be having some of it at the dinner tonight. I got a nice chunk to take to the sh dinner tonight. It is insane. All right. Rick from Orange. We are going out with Justin on Sunday to kill to catch a lot of fish. I have one of those large, reliable kill bags and was wondering how many pounds of ice should I put in it? A hundred pounds. If it can fit a hundred pounds, put a hundred pounds. Put as much ice in there as you can. Because as you start to throw fish in there, the ice is going to start to melt. I like to get it as full as I possibly can. Anybody that doesn't fill up the bag with ice to the top, where you're already thinking you're going to fail. You've already decided, well, I don't think I'm going to need that much ice. So you're already going out with the attitude that you're going to fail. I can't even comprehend. That's like going to the bait barge. If my bait tank holds five scoops of bait and I pull up to the bait barge and I say, hey, just give me a half scoop. You're already planning on failing. Why are you even going? Get as much ice as you can. I've never, ever gone on a trip and come back and said, dang, I wish we didn't have so much ice. Think about that. And never, ever, ever. Jake 
in San Diego. What's your opinion on ring to compared to standard? That's a preference of you. There's going to be deckhands and captains that run boats that are going to say, I only use ring hooks. I personally don't use them. I, I've never, ever, 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 ever thought I could have caught more fish if I had the ringed hook. Ringed hook's going to be a little more expensive. They say, oh, it allows the bait to swim more freely. My bait's only on the hook for 20 seconds. Either he's swimming or he's not. He's not spending much time out there getting to react to that ringed hook. But if you believe in your heart you have to have a ringed hook, then you have to have a ringed hook. What is a ringed hook, those of you that don't understand? That is, you take a regular hook, regular old bait hook, and on the very top where you would put your line through the eye to tie your line on, they put a ring on there that attaches to that, and then you tie your line to the ring, and then they say that it allows that hook to flop back and forth. It's a gimmick. I wish I would have come up with it. It'd be like coming up with brown, selling brown water for $7 a cup. Oh my gosh, did I just say that? Yeah, I can't imagine buying brown water for 7 or 8 or $9 for a cup of brown water and then putting a bunch of sugar in on top of it and going, Oh, this is the best Starbucks coffee I've ever had. It's full of sugar. Shush up. Oh, my God. And it's brown water. And people stand in line to buy it. I wish I would have come up with that idea. Just like the ringed hooked idea. That's a great. I never needed them. But if you feel, well, my sister's brother's aunt's cousin told me I needed a ring hook. Well, then you need one. Just like spraying scent on your lure. What a, If you feel you need to spray scent on your lure then you got to spray scent on your lure. The guy, it's a great scam though. Phenomenal scam. All right. This is Jeff. I know Mad Max are usually trolled at 12 to 15 knots, but what do, you, what do they still work at slower speeds? Would it be worthwhile to put it in the thread while trolling? Trolling at six to eight knots. What's the best way to rig them? We, they're a high speed trolling lure. That's what they're designed for. That's what they're made for. They're made to be trolled at 12 to 15 knots. If you're going to put it out, if you're going to put something in the water at six to eight knots, you're going to want a cedar plug. You're going to want feathers. You're going to want maybe a Rapala. X-Wrap, something like that. Something that can swim good at that slower speed. But these Mad Max are high-speed trolling lures. That's what they're made for. There's other lures that are made to do different things. If you have the Mad Max and you don't want to troll it at that speed, and I wouldn't, that's the worst speed you can possibly troll at on your boat. Why? Because that's when you burn the most fuel. The most fuel burn. So I think that the fuel companies got with the with the Nomad company and they decided to make a high speed lure that the bluefin would eat it at uh, 12 to 15 knots. So that's what I would do. And then I don't think it's worth it. That's just me though. I, you're not going to use a high speed lure to slow troll. You're going to use a tr lure that's made to troll at that speed. And what about a yummy flyer? Does it, does it have to be 200 yards out on the kite or would it be effective dragging one straight off the outrigger? No, 
It doesn't work dragging it off the outrigger. The whole idea of dragging that bait out there off the kite, and gang, it's not that hard to do. If you go to my website, yoursaltwaterguide.com, and look at the kite video series that we have over there, you'll find out that flying the kite is not that hard, not to be intimidated with. If you put your line out on the outrigger, that doesn't work. It doesn't get the bait outside of the boat wake. Bluefin tuna have been commercially fished for so long, they hate boats. We are all know that. We talk about it all the time. Why is the kite so effective with the rubber flying fish? Because you're trolling it outside of your furthest wake. And if you're trolling it on an outrigger, it's in the wake. It's in the prop wash. It's right in the middle of everything. So it doesn't work. It's not effective. It won't work. It's not how it was designed to work. There's lures that were designed to work in the prop wash, but the rubber flying fish is made to, they designed it, they made it, it's to be flown off the kite, off the side of the boat so far out that it's not in the prop wash. Does it have to be 200 yards out? No, it has to be outside of your furthest wake. If it's inside of your wake, it's not fishing proper. And you learn all this on my website. And Jeff, you got to watch the videos. Here's another thing, and I'm not trying to blow you up, Jeff. You probably have watched them all. But those of you that are members of the website, you can't just sign up and start catching fish. You actually have to watch the videos. And every one of the videos has a purpose. And they all explain to you what they mean and how they mean it and what it's all about. And the kite and the rubber flying fish, the, the yummy flyer, all these things were designed with a purpose. The purpose was to get your rubber flying fish outside of your furthest wake. When Justin showing you how to fish the Mad Mac and troll it behind the boat at high speeds, he's telling you to let it so far back there that it's almost out of the, it's so far behind the boat, it's out of the propeller wash. It's out of the disturbance. Those fish are coming in there to look at it. That's why it's trolled so fast and it's back there because they're just coming in to take a quick look at it as they see something back there, but the boat's already gone by so fast that they don't think that that's actually a lure being trolled because it's 150 yards behind your boat. They come in, take a look at it, and it's going so damn fast that they can't think about it, so they just eat it. Whammo, you caught them. That's not how the rubber flying fish works. You can't troll the rubber flying fish at 15 knots. It's not going to work. You control it at eight knots. You control it at six and a half. You control it maybe at 10. That's pushing the point really hard. Plus with the kite up in the air, trolling it that hard and that fast, it's going to be really tough. But gang, all this stuff that we're talking about, we have videos that break it down and explain it all. And flying the kite is very, very easy when you watch the video and you start to go, oh, it doesn't have to be hard. And also when I'm explaining it to you, I don't use big giant words that don't make sense to us. I talk to you just like I talk, well, not like I talk to my kids because then no one would listen to me. But I talk to you like a human. I talk to you like a guy that's going out fishing for his first time. I explain it to you very, very easy. It's very easy to do. And lots and lots and lots of our members have caught their very first bluefin on the kite, bucket list bluefin on the kite, doing it the way I say. 
and it's not made to troll fast and it's not made to troll out of the outrigger. It just won't work, Jeff. Sorry. Conditions aren't too good right now. When do you think San Diego waters are going to pop? Said today, tomorrow. Yesterday, the wind blew like a son of a bitch, and it was gnarly, gnarly, gnarly out on the water. I talked to a lot of sport boat captains when I got into town this morning, and a lot of guys were saying it was absolutely gnarly yesterday by noon. It was pretty much unfishable. It was super gnarly. That's why the fish counts took a little dip, the offshore. But we're looking at some really bitching weather. The game plans we talk about, it looks really good on Friday. Saturday afternoon, we're going to have quite a bit of wind, but then Sunday it gets buttery flat again. It's going to be spectacular this weekend, Tim. There's going to be some unbelievable scores. We're coming off of this full moon. We just had the fullest of the fullest moon two nights ago. It's coming back out now. John Stanley, did you catch any grunion yesterday? We'd ever heard. So let us know. Send me a message. Tell me if you caught any grunion. He was going grunion hunting. I don't know what you caught. You told everybody you were going, and you never told us what you were doing. Let us know. I know you're watching right now. And here's also something just um, John Stanley let me know. The limit for the grunion is now 30. It's not 50. I made a mistake. I know, and I'll probably make another one before I die. But it was 50 forever. Now it's 30. You know, it's just like everything else in California. They found out people were enjoying grunion hunting. So now they're, it's the craziest thing ever. There doesn't need to be a limit on grunion in any way, shape, or form. My, this is, I'm not going to get, that's a, that's a Monday show. Monday shows are the show, the day that we talk about how corrupt our government is. Not on, not today. Today's text Dave today. Okay, if my plan is to go to the Nine Mile Bank to fish, how soon before I should get there? Should I start trolling? A couple miles before you get there. Anywhere you're going. You're going to the Nine, you're going to the 289, the 181, the 267, the 277. When anytime you're going out to one of the banks, you get two or three miles before you get there, you want to slow down, get down to a trolling speed. If you're trolling the Mad Mac, you only want to troll the Mad Mac when you start to see fish. You don't want to drive around all day at 15 knots or 14 knots. You'll burn a billion gallons of fuel. But you want to slow down six and a half, seven knots. Put the cedar plug, the live deception cedar plugs or the, the Promar Ahi cedar plugs out behind the boat or some of those small feathers I showed you on the videos. And as we start to crank into this seat, coming off the moon phase, you're really going to want to have some feathers and some cedar plugs in the mix. There's a lot of marlin out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. But get down to six and a half, seven knots. Put out the gear back behind the boat. Grab your binoculars and start looking hard. The bank means nothing. The bank is a direction to head. Once you get there, don't spend the whole day there. Do a couple laps around it looking for fish, looking around, and then move to the next bank. If you start to mark fish or you start to see fish jumping out of the water, John, then you want to slow down and you want to fish that even more. You want to spend more time marking your GPS, figuring out where the fish are on the bank and all those things. But I see way too many people never see a fish, but they read on some other website or they heard on some other website, fish are biting on the nine. So they go out there and they spend their whole day on the nine. That doesn't, it doesn't work like that, gang. It's a direction to head. 
you're going to find the fish on the way there or on the way to the next bank or why you're there. But you got to look. It's all about paying attention and look, look, look. Constantly be looking. What are we looking for? Anything that is not water is a very good possibility if it's out there in the ocean and it's not water, then it's fish or it's birds or it's something floating. Anything at all that is not water has potential to be fish in the ocean. So be careful, pay attention when you're offshore and slow down for God's sakes. I see so many people out there driving around at 100 miles an hour, driving right through the fish. They never even saw them. I think you get off there and your boat does 30 knots and you want to spend the day doing 30 knots. I don't know why. Get to your 30 knots till you're a couple miles from where you want to fish. Slow down, start fishing and start looking. Gang, I'm telling you. It's super important to pay attention. And it's super important to follow. Gang, if you're a member of the website... You no longer have to suck unless you want to. But follow the plan for God's sakes. Dang, I put so much time and effort into these plans. And I talked to so many superstars of fishing to put together these plans. And then I read these reports from people that went out and didn't catch. You have to work very, very hard right now to not catch anything. <laughs> Because it is so good out there right now. And then I asked the simple question. Did you anchor? No. Did you fly line? No. What part of my game plan told you to do those two things? The whole game plan. I really emphasize it a lot this week. Because I just, I, I don't know. I, maybe I don't emphasize it enough. You got to anchor and you got to fly line. Anchor and fly line. That's what's going on right now. If those two things aren't what you want to do, stay home. Go golfing. Go do something else. Don't waste the fuel. Dave Burris. What gear ratio reel would you would best be for bait fishing? You know, what conventional rear ratio would be the best for surface iron? Slower gear ratio for surface iron. You don't want to burn the surface iron in. You want something that's like four to six gear ratio, slow down the crank on the surface iron. You want that jig to kick back and forth with when you're cranking it in. If it's spinning, it's not fishing. A surface iron's made to kick. That's why that one company, they call them kicker jigs. It's all about that jig kicking back and forth slowly as you wind it in. And as far as bait fishing, I want a high-speed reel. So when my bait, I cast my bait out and it's not good, and it doesn't swim right. I want to burn it back, flick it off, and get a new bait and get it back out there. So something six and a half, seven to one would be perfect. Four and a half to five and a half would be perfect for surface iron. Six and a half, seven would be great for uh, bait fishing because you want to get your bait in as quick as you can and get it off and get it back out there. You don't want to be taking your time winding in your bait. And ex please explain how to train for fly lining anchovies. With a hard close pin. Close pin. And I'm not going to talk about coyote fishing. Sorry. That's for a pay-per-view event. We got a lot of stuff we could talk about once on a pay-per-view event. Because they can't shut me down if you're paying to listen to me. On this podcast, we will not be talking about that, Dave. So when you're practicing, you want to learn how to cast this or a bait 
a, um, bait caster, you're going to have to learn how to cast a clothespin, if you will. They're made out of plastic. A lot of people have them in their backyard. Clothespins are going to be like the equivalent weight to an anchovy. A clothespin's about four, three and a half, four inches long. It's how they hang the clothes on the line in the backyard. That is the perfect thing to tie to your line and stand in your backyard and practice casting or stand in your front yard. Why clothespin? Well, the really cool thing is you can cast the living bejesus out of it. If you hit a window or a car or something, you're not going to dent it. You're not going to break a window. But the weight of that clothespin is the weight of the bait. 99.9% of the time, the anchovies, it's going to be super easy to cast that. It's going to help out tremendously in your casting ability. Once you can cast that clothespin, then you can cast pretty much anything. You're going to get a lot of backlashes. I would suggest learning how to cast with monofilament first because you're going to go through a bunch of line. Braided, learning how to cast with braided line is super tough because braided line is super unforgiving. So if you pile it up on itself at all, even a tiny bit when you're winding in and you get excited and you don't guide the line back and forth nice and quick like you're supposed to, if it piles up on itself at all, it's going to cause a big backlash. That is brutal, especially with braided line, picking out a backlash. And if you have to cut it, you just ruined your whole spool. Where monofilament, it's not that expensive. It's easy to handle. It's easy to take. It's easy to take a backlash out. It's a very, very forgiving line, monofilament, and it's a great line to practice on. Don't practice on braid. It's not worth it. You'll you're gonna cry. A spool of braided line is super expensive. A lot of times it costs almost as much as your reel. So be careful when you're learning how to cast. Go with monofilament. Go in the backyard with the clothespin or go out on your front yard. Or what we used to do when I was teaching Kelly. Go stand on a bridge somewhere. It doesn't matter how far it goes. You can stand on a tall bridge where it doesn't even hit the water. It's about getting that motion down and learning how to to get that pendulum going and swinging that clothespin out there, doing it over and over and over. I had a lot of friends. Perfect example, Shayla, when she first started working for me, she's like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And I'm like, what? She goes, I can't cast that many times in a day. I fish fine when I'm by myself. I go, I know, because you make you make like 10, 12 casts in a day. When we're working on the boat and I'm fishing with 10 people and I'm casting everybody's line, I'll make 1,000 to 1,500 casts in a day casting their baits. And that's what my crew's doing. We're, but we're casting over and over and over again because we want to get a bite and we want to change our bait and we want to keep that bait moving. It's about repetitive motion and learning how to do it. And everything you hear me talk about and everything that I'm talking about, I've done it wrong more than you will ever do it right. I've done everything you could possibly do wrong as far as fishing goes. Driving the boat, being the captain, do, being the anchor, drifting, leaving fish to look for fish. Everything I share with you, I did it wrong already a bunch of times. So you don't have to. You don't have to go out there and reinvent it. You don't have to go do all the things I did wrong. Remember, I started doing this with my dad for a living in 1974. I know you guys have been doing it way longer than I have, but I'm just telling you, experience, strength, and hope, bro. And I'm just trying to share 
and give you a little bit of a little bit of my knowledge that I learned from all those years so that you can start to be better at doing this. This is the funnest craft in the world. Like I was talking our hobby, if you would. I was talking to Tommy Gomes today and we were talking about the passion of fishing and he he was he because he was making some videos with me. I was making videos with him, but he was doing some with me. And I was telling him, you know what's really cool about fishing? You don't have to have any money. You don't have to have a bunch of tackle. I'll tell you something. The guy that has all the tackle that matches and all the clothes that match and the hat and the shoes and the shorts and the jacket and all the shit that matches and the gloves and all. They don't catch anything because they don't know how to fish. Guys, you don't need all that crap. That's not going to change what you catch. It won't. And I'm sorry, those of you that sell all that crap. You don't need all that crap. You need to learn how to fish. That's how you're going to catch more fish. It's not about buying a bunch of garbage to wear. It's not. It won't ever, will never, ever, ever, ever be. I show up flip-flop shorts and a t-shirt and go fishing and I catch just as many as the guy with the super bitching outfit on that spent thousands of dollars at the store that matches perfectly. It's about learning the craft. But what I was trying to say was you can walk down to the docks like where Tommy is down there at Tunaville and uh, cast your line in the water right there and catch a spotted bay bass or an orange mouth corvina or a shovel-nosed shark, or a leopard shark, for free. Somebody gives you a rod. Somebody gives you some hooks. It happens every single day. You don't have to have money. But the listen, the minute your line touches the water, everything that's going on in your head, everything that's going on in your life melts away because now you're looking at your line, you're looking at your bait, you're looking at your lure. All you're trying to do is connect with that fish. It's the greatest therapy in the world. I don't understand why the United States government hates fishermen so much. It doesn't make sense to me because it's the best release in the that could possibly happen. Also, like I talked about on Saturday, our commercial fishermen, the unsung heroes, the, U, the U.S. flag commercial fishermen, we need them. We need them more than you can even imagine. We have a... a Huge appetite for seafood in this country. And we have no problem having other countries with horrible morals, horrible morals, horrible treatment of the fish, horrible treatment of the marine mammals. But we'll buy their food all, we'll buy their garbage fish all day long. But if we see a guy out fishing commercially when we're out sport fishing, our mouths just spew diarrhea, just puke diarrhea oh they're raping the ocean oh. gang the united states of america has the most overregulated fishery in the world we are overregulated to the max but gang if you go to costco or you go to pavilions the cases are full of fish that come from foreign garbage companies with zero morals so think about that and think about how nice it is to go fishing and how it just relieves all that tension. And stop bitching about the commercial fishermen. We're all on this team together. And if we can't get along, they're going to take it all away from us. So next time you see a commercial fisherman, thank them instead of spewing that diarrhea garbage out of your mouth. Okay? Mike Lewis. 
Is there any type of trolling down around two to three knots? If so, what do you use and what fish are targeted? Open ocean or around the islands? Yeah, I like to troll. When I'm out on my skiff and I've caught 9 million fish and I'm starting to see some yellows boiling around and I'm not getting bit or a calico bass or a barracuda is eating my bait every time I throw it out there. I'll go out, get outside the spot a little bit, get out in 100, 150 feet of water. And I'll slow troll. Slow troll a mackerel or a sardine. Tip of the rod in the water. I have these videos on my website. How to slow troll baits. Two knots. Three knots. Three knots is pretty fast for slow trolling. Two knots. As slow as you can make the boat go. Rod tip in the water. Reel and free spool. So that the line can flow easily off the spool. Reels in free spool. Rod tips in the water. Slow trolling a mackerel or a sardine. Keep, keeping the tip down so the bait's not up on the surface spinning or flipping or flopping. Tips in the water. Two knots. Slow trolling the bait around the spots. Yellowtail, white sea bass are going to jump on that. When we're offshore in those foamers, and we're having a problem getting bit, but we got to tank a mackerel. Slow troll through the foamer. And if there's 50 boats out there, all bets are off Mike Lewis. You can't do it. But if you find a school of fish by yourself and you're having a problem casting a bait into them, you're not getting bit, slow the boat down to a knot. Do those big, wide, sweeping turns where you can slow troll your bait right into the middle of the foamer. <laughs> Gang, it's game on. Why not fast troll it through there? Because the bait's going to be back there spinning around and flopping on the top. Baits don't swim like that. Slow troll it so the bait's back there swimming. Do, 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 do. And then it, you're slow trolling it and you're, you're turning your boat and you can see the bow of your line and you're going, oh, it's going to go right into the foamer. When that bait is going right into the foamer, slow trolling it, Whammo, those bluefin can't help themselves. They're going to eat it all day. So, yeah, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of uh, applications for slow trolling in California, Mexico. We do it down here fishing or down. I'm in San Diego today, but in Cabo, we do it all the time fishing for rooster fishing the surf line. Once we find that fish, it's game on. We're casting everything we got in them, but you got to locate them first. So that's why we... Slow troll that mullet in the surf line. Hey, Captain Dave. When fishing the coast, what conditions would you look for it at when deciding to fish local kelps? Headway. Always, always, always looking for downhill current. That means the kelp fronds are growing up and they're all pointed to San Diego. If they're coming up off the bottom and then pointed to San Diego, that's downhill current. If the kelp's all just laying there, all twisted up and everything, there's no current there. I'm not even going to stop. I drive in on the edge of the kelp. I look out the side of my boat or out the window. I know a lot of you don't have a window. I understand. I ran boats with windows for years. I look it out the window or I'm sitting on my skiff and I'm looking at the water and I'm looking at the kelp. And if it's laying downhill, that means it's all pointed to San Diego. It's game on. I'm going to get up in front of it a little bit. I'm going to feed my anchor chain and rope out. 
I'm going to anchor up. I'm going to start chumming and I'm going to start catching fish every time I throw my line in the water. That's because the downhill current is the prevailing current in California. And that's what those fish are used to. And what I know a lot of you are new. You haven't watched the show before. Current is super important. It's just like fishing in a river or a stream. The areas where there's no current, it's super, I mean, no movement in the river. It's super easy to fish there, but there's no fish. They're out there where the water's moving because they know that there's going to be food rushing by them. So that being said, it's the same thing with the ocean. When you're fishing in the ocean, if there's no current, the fish are lethargic. They're there. They're at that spot, but they're not into the feeding mode. They're just kind of cruising around, checking each other out. The young fish are playing grab butt with the, the other young fish. They're just doing they're just doing what animals do. They're playing, they're having fun, they're kicking back. As soon as that current starts to flow, they all stand up straight. It's no more time to play, no more messing around. Now it's time to feed because the food's coming. As soon as the current starts, the whole thing changes. As soon as the current stops, they all go back to cruising around, having fun, grabbing each other's tails, playing, making more fish, having a good time. And then as soon as the current turns on, wham, they're back up again. And this happens throughout the day. You can be at a spot where every time you throw your line in the water, you get a bite. That's what we all want. And then all of a sudden, you haven't moved. You haven't drug anchor. You're anchored perfect on the spot. And all of a sudden, the fish stop biting. Most people don't even realize what just happened. If you stop for a minute and you look, the current stopped. You're like, wow, I didn't even think of that. Yes, once the current stops, the bite stops. The fish, like I just t- explained it to you, they get in that grab-ass mood. They get in that playtime. And then that spot's over. You might have to leave and go find some current or sit down and have something to eat, eat some lunch, relax, and then get right back into fishing again. Jump right back into it when the current starts again or move to another area where there's current. Okay. Let's see, Tim, are sardines only effective when they are alive or can they still be used for rockfish or lean cod frozen? The problem with that sardine is once it dies, it's got, it doesn't have a good profile. It usually dies and it curls up or it gets real stiff. <coughs> it's not lucid, if you will, I guess would be the word. It doesn't wiggle. It doesn't, it, it, it's not good. And it starts... It starts to live off, live, starts to let off like a uh, oil in the water. I don't, and if you take dead sardine and throw it in your bait tank and watch, it's laying in the bottom of your bait tank. There'll actually be oil burbling up off the sardine. That's not a good look. Once they're dead, what I do is chop them up, put them in my chum bucket, use them for chum. But as far as lingcod fishing, no. Lingcod are like a big time game fish. They want something that's moving. They want something that's alive. They have to chase it a little bit. Something's going to cause them to come out of their hole and chase it. They're not going to come out of their hole if it's a dead sardine laying there. That doesn't look good to them. Dead bait, most fish don't want to eat a dead bait. They didn't get big by being dumb. No, my wife doesn't even know what time. My wife, my beautiful wife, who's out shopping, doesn't know what time it is. Let me text her real quick. Just stay with me, gang. 
I want to make sure you're okay. Sorry, gang. Just got to make sure she's okay. We're up here in California, the land of lawlessness. I have no idea what's going on. If she was in Cabo, I'd feel safe. I know she just made a mistake calling, but this could be bad because up here, you guys, you're not allowed to prosecute anybody, so everybody's committing crimes. So I'm scared. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Um, back to what we were talking about. Yeah, she's fine. Okay, good. Kelly's okay. I'm okay. Everything's all right. Okay. So that is super important that those things are going on when you're out there. It's got, you got to pay attention. Everything, we talk about it every day. Every single thing matters. So understand everything matters. So make sure that you understand everything matters. Everything matters. If I tell you to do this and you go do that and you don't catch anything, that's something that matters. Okay. What else do we got? No more questions, gang? Nobody's got any more questions? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mike Lewis, that's what she did yesterday. And she's going to look gorgeous tonight at this dinner, gang. She is going to be the queen of the ball, man. She's going to be looking smoking on it. Yep. Um, that sardine thing, the dead bait good for chopping up but you want a real lively bait that's why those those of you that have been fishing and you throw out a bait and it gets bit instantly and you're like how did the fish know that it's the most liveliest bait you got to look in the bait tank you got to pick out the liveliest bait you can possibly get that's going to get you a bite every time lingcod are a predatory fish they they spend a lot of time hunting they don't want a dead bait that's laying down on the bottom tim sorry are there any times you will add weight to your nope is there any times I would add weight to my trolling lure? No, because look, Josh, all these lures, everything we're talking about as far as every lure is designed to fish the way it was designed. Just like your plastic lures, just like your, your uh, hard lures, your jigs, your uh, surface irons. They're all designed. They've been cut. They've been designed. They've been tried and true to swim the way they were designed. As soon as you put a little weight on them, they quit swimming the proper way. As soon as you put a little weight on them, they're not acting the proper way. So as soon as you put, no, I have never tried that, Travis. But as soon as you add weight to it, it's no longer designed the way it was designed. And if they're designing weights with lures, or lures that you need a weight on, it's probably not working. It would have been done years ago. Probably doesn't work. But maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. It could be that I don't have a clue. I don't know. But gang, we've got a great dinner tonight. We're going to be having so much fun. If any of the stuff I just talked about makes sense at all, and those of you on, on uh, the, the podcast that listen to me every single day, and I'm just blown away by the amount of people that are downloading my podcast and listening to me every day, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you tackle manufacturers and tackle companies and lure companies, you're all listening. I know you are because y'all, whenever you see me, you make those comments about something I talked about on my show. 
if you guys want to move to the next level, and this is something that the sport fishing industry doesn't understand, social media is the place. Social media is where it all happens. There is nobody else doing a podcast Monday through Friday. There's nobody else that does a podcast live Monday through Friday that's willing to show your products to the massive amounts of people. We have prop proper way to show you the numbers. Our numbers are mind-boggling. If you want to sell some product, let me know. You can contact me, your saltwater guide at yahoo.com. You can contact me at my phone number, 949-374-0786. I would be more than happy to hook you up and get people to start looking at your website and start looking at your product. If you got something that's worth looking at, let me know. And uh, the power of social media is mind-boggling. Look at our numbers, gang. We are just flying in every piece of social media out there. It's amazing. My numbers don't lie, though. You can look them up. It's very, very simple and very easy. They go up every single day. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show, the questions, the whole thing. It's so fun. I enjoy talking to all of you wherever we go. Kelly and I seem to run into people that watch our show all the time, <clears throat> watch all our videos. And I just want to thank everybody for being a part of it. And tonight's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to see everybody in the industry tonight at the, uh, at this dinner. If you want to join us, there's still a couple tickets available. You can come down to SeaWorld tonight. We're starting out at the Hubs Research Center and then at six o'clock, five o'clock cocktails. And then six o'clock, we're all going to SeaWorld, have dinner at SeaWorld and give Bill Shedd the Lifetime Achievement Award for conservation. Check out my podcast tomorrow. We got an interview with the man, Bill Shedd. You'll get to know more about him and know what he is all about. Him and his father, Milton, and Milton starting SeaWorld. That'll all be available to you tomorrow at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I will not be live tomorrow. I'll be flying with Kelly. But check it out, gang. We always have a good show. Be kind to everybody. I can't wait to see you all tonight. Be kind. Turn off the news. They're all lying. Go fishing. Go have fun. Follow my game plans this weekend. It's going to be an incredible weekend of fishing. Thank you once again for watching. Thanks for being a part of. And uh, we need to find somebody we're going to give a shirt away to. And don't forget, gang, I'm giving away $200 to one person that takes a picture wearing my shirt. If you got a picture of you and my shirt on, post it. Kelly Girl and I will pick one lucky person to win the 200 US dollars. We give away stuff all the time. Everybody on the show is always talking about all the cool stuff they got. We give away stuff all the time. We're going to give away a t-shirt right now. It's going to be great. Um, you already got one. <laughs> I was going to give Josh another one. That's crazy. My man, Matt. When the fishing the coast, what conditions would be look at when deciding to fish local kelp beds? Matt, you just want another shirt. Matt, give me a text message, 949-374-0786. Give me your address and your shirt size. And we'll get that shirt mailed off to you right away. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend.